0: Celebrating Benjamin Lay, died on this day 265 years ago. By Leiska. Quaker abolitionist Benjamin Lay died exactly 265 years ago today, on February 8, 1759. I'm using the anniversary of his death to reflect on his life and invite you to join me by sharing your thoughts sometime this week. Lay was a radical anti-slavery advocate and an important figure in the Quaker abolitionist movement. He's been described as a moral weirdo. Besides viewing slavery as a great sin, he opposed the death penalty, was vegetarian, believed that men and women were equal in the eyes of God, and more. He didn't hide his views and was known for his, guerrilla theater, protests, which included splashing fake blood on slave owners and forcing people to step over him as they exited a meeting. Expulsion from various communities, ridicule for his beliefs or appearance, he had dwarfism, and the offended sensibilities of those around him didn't seem to seriously slow him down. There's a table here in the text. In the rest of this post, I share a brief overview of Benjamin Lay's famous protests Blackdown Arrow Hash, life and partnership with Sarah Lay, a respected Quaker minister and fellow abolitionist, Blackdown Arrow Hash, and how their work fits into the broader history of slavery Blackdown Arrow Hash. There's an image here, with the caption. A painting of Benjamin Lay by William Williams, commissioned by Deborah Reed for her husband, Benjamin Franklin, Benjamin Lay's friend. Image source. I should flag that I'm no expert in Lay's life or work, just compiling info from roughly a day of reading. Heading. Protests against slavery. Shocking people into awareness. Quote. Over the course of the 27 years that he lived in Pennsylvania, Lay harangued the Philadelphia Quakers about the horrors of slavery at every opportunity, and he did so in dramatic style. Will McCaskill in Chapter 3 of What We Owe the Future. End quote. Lay's famous protests illustrate his dramatic style and how little he cared about the opinion of others. Here are some examples. Here's a list of bullet points. 1738, at the biggest event of the Philadelphia yearly meeting, Lay showed up in a great coat and waited his turn to speak. When the time came, Lay rose and announced in a booming voice, Oh all you Negro masters who are contentedly holding your fellow creatures in a state of slavery. You might as well throw off the plain coat as I do. He then threw off his coat, revealing that he was dressed in a military uniform and holding a sword and a book, it would be as justifiable in the sight of the Almighty, who beholds and respects all nations and colors of men with an equal regard, if you should thrust a sword through their hearts as I do through this book. When Lei plunged his sword through the book, it started gushing red liquid. In preparation for the event, Lei had hollowed out the book and inserted an animal bladder filled with bright red pokeberry juice. As he finished speaking, he splattered the fake blood on the slave owner's present. Apparently, the room exploded into chaos and he was eventually carried out. Compiled from Smithsonian and What We Owe the Future. One Sunday morning he stood at a gateway to the Quaker meeting house, knowing all friends would pass his way. He left his right leg and foot entirely uncovered and thrust them into the snow. Like the ancient philosopher Diogenes, who also trod barefoot in snow, he again sought to shock his contemporaries into awareness. One Quaker after another took notice and urged him not to expose himself to the freezing cold lest he get sick. He replied, "Ah, You pretend compassion for me but you do not feel for the poor slaves in your fields, who go all winter half-clad. Smithsonian. Benjamin gave no peace to slave owners, the 19th century radical Quaker Isaac Hopper recalled hearing as a child. As sure as any character attempted to speak to the business of the meeting, he would start to his feet and cry out, There's another Negro master. Smithsonian. Ministers and elders had him removed from one gathering after another. Indeed, they appointed a constabulary to keep him out of meetings all around Philadelphia, and even that wasn't enough. After he was tossed into the street one rainy day, he returned to the main door of the meeting house and lay down in the mud, requiring every person leaving the meeting to step over his body. Smithsonian Benjamin Lay's neighbors held slaves, despite Lay's frequent censures and cajoling. One day, he persuaded the neighbor's six-year-old son to his home and amused him there all day. As evening came, the boy's parents became extremely concerned. Lay noticed them running around outside in a desperate search, and he innocently inquired about what they were doing. When the parents explained in panic that their son was missing, Lay replied, Your child is safe in my house, and you may now conceive of the sorrow you inflict upon the parents of the Negro girl you hold in slavery, for she was torn from them by avarice. Swarthmore College Bulletin In 1742 The 61 year old lay set up a table on a busy Philadelphia street and laid out delicate cups and saucers, previously owned by his wife Sarah. Then he started smashing them with a hammer, denouncing tyrants in India and the Caribbean who mistreated the enslaved people and other workers who harvested the tea and produced the sugar, explaining that consumers cared more about these objects than they did about people. An outraged crowd gathered and started protesting him, finally picking him up and carrying him away. Various sources. That's the end of the list. There's an image here, with the caption An advertisement from 1949 that mocks Lay's crusade against tea and coffee. Image source here Benjamin Lay wasn't born planning protests at Quaker meetings. Heading Life Benjamin Lay was born in England in 1682. He had a form of dwarfism and, as an adult, stood at a bit over 4 feet tall and had a hunched back, he called himself Little Benjamin. He was briefly a shepherd as a teenager, then an apprentice glover until he ran away to London to become a sailor when he was 21. During his 12 years as a sailor, Lay heard a lot about the slave trade from other sailors. This was also when he met his wife Sarah. Sarah Lay, born Sarah Smith in 1677, had become a Quaker in her youth and was a minister of the congregation by 1712. Like Benjamin, she also had dwarfism. Various sources describe her as intelligent and charismatic, and she was respected as a minister, even later, when her husband was being denied membership by various groups, despite her own abolitionist activities. Benjamin spent five years courting her before she agreed to marry him in 1717. Sadly, not very much is written about Sarah. In 1718, the couple moved to Barbados, where they set up a profitable shop. They soon discovered the ugly side of Barbados. The primary business, sugar, depending heavily on brutal exploitation of enslaved people. The Lays witnessed the cruelties of slavery firsthand and started seeking out enslaved people's stories, inviting them to their house for food and prayer meetings, and preaching against slavery. According to Benjamin's book, Sarah initiated some of these activities. By the time the Lays left Barbados a year and a half later, the local ruling class had begun preparing to banish them for fraternization with the enslaved. The couple went to London, but were soon expelled from the Devonshire House monthly meeting and moved to Colchester, which had a meeting house friendlier to their values. In 1732, they moved again, this time to Philadelphia. When the Lays arrived, they were disturbed to find that many Quakers, especially Quaker leaders, owned slaves. They also saw the harassment faced by a fellow anti-slavery advocate, Ralph Sandiford, who had published a brief examination of the practice of the times without permission for which he was persecuted to the point that he suffered a nervous breakdown. Benjamin Lay was Sandiford's friend until his death in 1733, and seems to have been outraged at the posthumous disparagement Sandiford was subjected to. Benjamin's anti-slavery advocacy became more disruptive. He became known for these actions and started facing his own persecution, which might have been the reason for the couple's move to a nearby town, Abington, which was home to Sarah's friend and fellow Quaker missionary Susanna Morris. Then in 1735, Sarah suddenly died. Benjamin was very affected by this and accused one of his enemies of contributing to her illness and death. He seems to have become more confrontational after Sarah's death, and eventually he was denied membership in the Pennsylvania Monthly Meeting and the Abington Monthly Meeting. He also started writing. In 1738, Benjamin Lay published All Slavekeepers Keepers That Keep the Innocent in Bondage, Apostates one of the first anti-slavery books ever published in North America, printed and edited by Benjamin Franklin, who apparently treasured his friendship with Lay and was proud of his work on the book. The text describes abuses enslaved people endured and discusses the theological justifications for declaring slavery a great sin. It also directly accused many elders and or wealthy Quakers who accepted or participated in the practice of owning and trading slaves. See a number of excerpts in this footnote. The Quaker Board of Overseers, which vetted all publications in Pennsylvania and consisted significantly or entirely of slave owners, naturally issued an official condemnation of the book, saying that it contains gross abuses, not only against some of their members in particular, but against the whole society. They also declared that Lay was not of their religious community. As far as I can tell, he did not stop protesting at their meetings. Lay built himself a comfortable cottage in a cave. He also stopped consuming products he believed were immoral. This included refusing to eat animal flesh, animals were, God's creatures, and making his own clothes to avoid commodities produced by slave labor and animals. He continued meeting with abolitionists around the colonies and protesting slaveholders, but his health began to give out and he spent the last two years of his life taking visitors in his cave. In 1758, he got good news about the first Quaker ruling on the immorality of slavery. Against the wishes of its leadership, the Philadelphia Yearly Meeting had voted that any Quaker who traded in slaves would be disciplined and eventually disowned. Lay apparently went silent after hearing the news, then said, Thanksgiving and praise be rendered unto the Lord God. I can now die in peace. He died a year later, at the age of 77. There's an image here, with the caption. Gravestone of Benjamin and Sarah Lay. Source. Heading role in the broader abolition movement. It's really hard for me to evaluate Benjamin and Sarah Lay's impact, I'll focus on Benjamin here, as I've read more about him. My overall sense is. Here's a list of bullet points. Moral change seems to have been important for the abolition of slavery, and it might not have happened without key events or factors, actions, or it might have taken much longer. Slavery was seen as morally permissible throughout many and most periods and civilizations including by influential philosophers and thinkers, for example Aristotle, Kant, and while we might hope that there's a march of moral progress that would have made abolition inevitable, it's not clear how long it would have taken without some key events around the 17th to 19th centuries, and the evidence doesn't even seem to support a very consistent trend. Moreover, economic factors don't seem to explain the abolition of slavery. Benjamin Lay's activism had a significant influence on the Quaker abolitionist movement. A generational shift might have been underway among the Quakers, but it seems that Lay might have made the unacceptability of slavery a much more salient topic and catalyzed action on this front. He was certainly noticed and discussed. It's also notable that Lay was friends with Anthony Benezet, who helped make abolition mainstream in England, and that changes in the Quakers' policies towards owning or selling people happened fairly soon after Lay's work. The Quaker abolitionist movement was also very important for catalyzing Britain towards the abolition of slavery. The Quakers were among the first to actually organize against slavery, and were, foremost in the society for effecting the abolition of the slave trade in 1787, which was, responsible for forcing the end of the British slave trade in 1807, and the end of slavery throughout the British Empire by 1838. Wikipedia Britain, in turn, was very important for global abolition. So, although other factors were also incredibly important in the global abolition of slavery, I think we can't write off Lay's influence. That's the end of the list. I highly recommend the episode with Professor Christopher Brown. See a brief summary in this footnote. Heading. Concluding notes. I hope to write a reflection in the comments later. For now, I'll say that I am often tempted to believe that, had I lived in a different time and place. I still wouldn't have tolerated the practice of slavery, that I would have seen it for the moral atrocity it is and that I would have fought against it. But it's striking to me that so few people had the moral clarity of Benjamin Lay and other abolitionists. And even fewer had his willingness to take moral convictions seriously. The thought that there's a good chance, I would have been one of the majority of the Europeans who interfaced with slavery who either directly profited from it, or who didn't care enough to do anything to stop it is scary. This is part of what makes me want to reflect on Benjamin Lay's actions and life. I want to teach myself to be a bit more like him. I think there are still huge problems in the world and I might be too uncaring, cowardly, or blind to do anything about them, and I want to change that. There's an image here, with the caption. Title page of Lay's book, All Slavekeepers That Keep The Innocent In Bondage, Apostates, see the full title in this footnote. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for the Effective Altruism Forum. It was first published on February 8, 2024. The original text contained 13 footnotes, which were omitted from the narration. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.is.